Hey, Anna. Yes, Mike. Okay, before we start the show, got some exciting news for you. Oh, go on. I like a bit of news. Yes, we got our latest shipment of Paleo Ridge for Billy. Marvelous. Yeah, yeah. And he, at the moment, is out chewing on a duck's neck. Oh. He absolutely loves those. Oh, we love a duck's neck. You know, duck is such an interesting meat because it's actually good for dogs who have a few kidney problems, you know. But um, duck necks are super and they're so easily absorbed. Well, he absolutely loves them. And his new favorite also for the meal is the wild venison and duck. So thanks for putting me on the paleo. We love it. Well, I'm glad you're feeding raw. I know it took a while, but you know, the best things in life are worth waiting for. Right, Mike? They definitely are. And if you want to consider feeding your dogs raw, check out the links to Paleo Ridge. They're in the show notes. much you love new things and how much we love to go shopping but we also really love to support independent businesses especially those that are altruistic and thinking about others that's why we're jumping on zoom now to talk to debbie humphreys whose firm red hound dog has been helping the dogs in ukraine i'm annie webb welcome to a dog's life Debbie, welcome to A Dog's Life. Hello, Anna. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Well, we've kind of met quite recently, in fact, through this very same podcast, because you wrote to me saying how much you loved the episode with Szemek and his team over in Poland as part of the Centaurus Foundation, you know, going in to Ukraine and bringing dogs and cats out of there and taking them to a, you know, a safe haven. And you're doing a lot of work with Red Hound Dog to help the dogs over in Ukraine. Well, they have become our sort of latest uh, charity, if you like, our latest cause. Because when I heard your podcast about it, it was quite near the beginning of the war, I think, wasn't it? It was only like a week or two in. Yes, and I think yeah, so. Yeah, and um, it just coincided with one of one of our sewers, Carol, who has makes a lot of blankets out of our scraps of fleece. And she does these amazing personalised blankets and things with quirky words on and things. And we've, we've always used, sold them on live auctions to raise money for dog charities, basically. And the day that I'd heard your podcast, I went into work and Carol was in and she was so down in the dump. She's I'm so upset by the whole Ukraine thing. You know, and I, and I said to her, well, let's do something. Let's be proactive. Let's do an auction. Let's raise some money. And um, actually, we, we decided we were, we were going to raise money for Underdog International, one of those charities that ha- was doing a similar thing. You know, it was going in there with convoys of food. It was going in with uh, vet supplies. It was getting dogs out that were roaming the streets, all the same sorts of things. And because both of us are such massive dog lovers, you can't put yourself in that situation, can you? What, what it would be like to leave your pet behind or be faced with that choice. Uh, I mean, absolutely awful. I mean, I wouldn't be able to be separated from them. I mean, that's for sure. I just don't think I could could do it, Debbie. Yeah, I don't know about you. Yeah. I, I, oh, I agree. I think it, I think the same. But equally, I, I'm, I quite think it's easy for me to say that because I'm not in that situation. But we decided that we, Carol would take some scraps home 
and maybe you know some bigger pieces of fabric um to in the ukraine colors of ukraine flag and basically she'd come up with some quirky designs we already had a couple that we could auction that were ready to go in the next auction anyway cut a long story short we did that auction live on on instagram and it raised 1400 pounds wow. and sub subsequent to that because there's one particular blanket that was canine parking only um that was such a hit we've had two more commissions for that so we've now raised i think it's 1800 through that oh. um which is is great great no, it's terrific you know because they so need everyone's support and it's brilliant to hear that you you know as an independent business doing that because hopefully others are as well debbie well, I, like, I think there are certainly some in, in the dog industry I know that are doing things to help. And I think my philosophy with, with all of our live charity auctions, because I, I started doing the knitted jumper auctions in 2018. We lost my Whippet Bruno and we lost our Lurcher Frankie within three months of each other. And with them went my knitting mojo. So because I had a lot of yarn and I'd already written my book by then, uh, Dogs in Jumpers, there were patterns that I had. I thought, well, I, I can't knit. I, I just didn't feel like knitting when Bruno wasn't there to knit for. I put a shout out on Facebook. Would anybody like to knit a couple of jumpers for a charity, a greyhound charity, we thought. Um, and um, I got, well, I basically ended up, I had 50 knitters that decided, yes, they wanted to knit for me. And so the first auction we did was actually for Gal Goes Del Sol, um, and that was in 2018. But we've gone on since then. I've now got a core group of knitters that knit for the charities. Um, and I think I've got about 14 knitters now, and, and they are the most amazing group. They really are. Well, knitting has really become on trend. I think probably through the pandemic as well, it got another massive boost. Yes, it did. It did. And I think also we picked up a lot of younger knitters as well during the pandemic. People that had never been into knitting in their life, they sort of wanted to do something with their hands. And it's very yeah. mindful as well. So, but you can knit something useful for your dog. So Absolutely. Like? No, what isn't it like? I mean, my little Mr. Binks, actually, because he's an English toy terrier and therefore quite bald. They're, they're all quite, quite thin in the coat. He's got a couple of hand-knitted sweaters. And you know what, Debbie? They're brilliant. They're, yeah. There's something quite kitsch about his sweaters. I just love them. I mean, it is like the ultimate Christmas jumper. And he loves wearing them as well. Yeah, yeah. There is indoor, because we live in a Victorian, very drafty flat. So, you know, even on a hot day, it's freezing inside. So he needs an extra layer. And that's the thing, you know, some people listening might be thinking, knitting jumpers for your dog, you know, I mean, how bizarre. But I bet you those are people that own something like a Bernese mountain dog that would never need a jumper, really, would, yeah. would he, yeah, Debbie? So, exactly. you know, you're knitting for certain types of dogs. Yes, exactly. And it doesn't explain, if that is the case, why the book is now on its third reprint. I think it is so because in the book it I only did designs for dogs that needed a jumper and obviously whippets are massively in need of them Italian greyhounds dash hounds you know the white not the wirehead ones but the little shorthaired ones some of the terriers like yours you know with the very thin fur and the Manchester terriers another one um the Seneco de Etna, do you know that breed? They're, they're quite... Um, the which one was that? Sorry, uh, Debbie. I think they're called Seneco de Etna. Um, like, 
I think I do know. Well, obviously Italian. I think I have seen them, but I, maybe I haven't as well. I'm not sure, Debbie. But yeah, but they're on. Look, there's the Mexican hairless. You oh, know. crikey, yes, exactly. And the Chinese yeah. crested. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they yep. definitely need a coat and a jumper indoors. So um, I think it's brilliant. But also, yeah, as you say, it's like a craft, an art form, really. Yeah, and my knitters that knit for the charity auctions that we do, some of them had never knitted before. Some of them had knitted a long time ago and picked it up. My oldest knitter is in her 80s. And she, we've got a little group on Facebook, you know, so they all keep in touch with each other. And she basically says we're just her lifeline, especially during lockdown, when she was very isolated and her daughter or her son could only visit, I think, once a fortnight. And if she hadn't have had the girls on the knitting group to chat to and do her knitting for the charity, like you're knitting for a cause and aren't you a reason? And, and, it, and it makes you feel good. And then they love it when they all go online and people are bidding for them. And we've never, ever had an item not sell. Never. I mean, sometimes I do really go at it when something hasn't had any love. And, you know, we'll do a hop on a live and, and say, well, why hasn't anybody loved this? You know, it's really worth it. So I do work hard at them. But but it has raised over the years. We're, we're up to, you know, over nearly £30,000 now. Gosh, that charity work with all the, the blankets and the and the jumpers and and the pre-loved sales that we've done. I totted it up today and it even shocked me. <laughs> Gosh, well, that's, that's you know it's absolutely brilliant. But going back a bit, you set up the firm with quite a a fashion or dressmaking you know garment knowledge, um, didn't you, Debbie? Yes, yes. I had a bridal wear wedding dress shop for seventeen years, so I had practically dressed every shape and size of woman um and before that I'd worked in evening wear and special occasion wear and day wear so I'd, I'd pretty much there's not very much that I haven't made in my time and my pattern cutter partner who was in the bridal wear job with me the, the business with me she has come along and, and and designed and helped me design and you know done patterns for the dog business so we probably are coming at it from quite a different angle to some others that have got perhaps a more basic shape I think we're capable of doing something a little bit more technical um, with with the patterns and the designs but yes certainly I've been sewing professionally for more years than I care to admit (laughs) (laughs) no that's brilliant and you've got lots of different fabrics haven't you um for people to choose from as well and and well and designs yes I pretty much now have niched into whippets we did used to do all, all the breeds at the very beginning we tried to cater for all the breeds but the difficulty with that is then you're you're being not a lot to many whereas when you niche into one breed you can really do the best for that one breed and because we've got whippets and always have had whippets they are the breed that i understand the best so and when you've got all your time devoted to one type of breed, you really can be more specialised in what you design and work out what they need and connect better with your customers. And we've got the most amazing Whippet community online, which, of course, wasn't there 10 years ago. So no. that's... Well, you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, where I live in um, East London... There are so many whippets. They really are almost the main dog in the park now, you know, as the vista. There's whippets literally everywhere. I mean, I've trained quite a few whippets recently as well. And I think. Oh, that's through... interesting. Yes, no, I know. They're not. <laughs> <laughs> How have you no. found that? <laughs> 
well, you know, I, I do honestly believe that all dogs are equal and all dogs are trainable. From my experience of training, what is known as being the only breed you can't train, the Bull Terrier. So I've done pretty well, really, and helped a lot of Bull Terriers. Oh, gosh. And they're all absolutely quirky, shall we say. You know, I'm they're, they're, they are a one-off, actually. The stubbornness is unbelievable, you know, and the, the single-mindedness of the Bull Terrier. They're much more stubborn than a Staffy, for example. But anyway, we digress. But yes, I mean, whippets, let's face it. Hounds and terriers are not the easiest, most biddable breeds. <laughs> no, I think you've hit upon it there. I think it's all, and a lot of so much of it, and you're probably, I don't know, I'm only guessing, you might be getting um, some that are not, not puppies now, and perhaps they're a year old and they haven't had a lot of training or socialisation. Perhaps they were bought during lockdown and perhaps owners didn't realise perhaps how much hard work a whippet puppy is. I know lots of puppies are hard work, but whippets have quite a lot of quirks and they are naughtier than people expect them to be. They really are, but they're usually very food orientated. So as far as training is concerned, some people don't realize that you need to up the ante with with the quality of the treat and they will pretty much do anything for you. So I've never really had, I think one thing you do sometimes have a problem with, they, they won't lie down or sit down on a hard surface. Those sorts of things are quite hard to train them to do but once you sort of know that and they you know if you're in a, a class and you try to get a whippet to roll over you can forget it well they, yeah. won't, they won't do it no no I mean it's very important you know to only train dogs the right shape to do that you know you'd never yes. train an Irish wolfhound either do you know what I mean <laughs> no, to, to a rollover <laughs> so whereas my prudence because she's built like a tank and got very short legs is perfect for a rollover yeah yes of course I mean it's so interesting though to focus on a specific breed because the other thing oh my neighbors just around the corner they've got two whippets and one is enormous and the other that's older is what I would say is the right size for a whippet I'm seeing a a wide variety of sizes yeah Yeah, definitely well we have three main well the two main sizes that we sell a lot of obviously a a medium um, is a sort of pretty we used to be a very standard whippet size that was what my Bruno was now he was born in 2003 so you do the maths, it was what, 19 years ago, when they were being bred very small. And But he was bred from show stock. And that's quite an important distinction because some whippets are bred from working stock and they do tend to be bigger. But we've certainly noticed in the last five years, I reckon, we sell more large and extra large sizes than we've ever sold before and and it's not uncommon now for people to have a whippet that weighs 18 kilos whereas that was completely unheard of five six years ago it was very rare let's put it that way and you'd think probably that whippet had a little bit of something else in it Mm, but mm. um these days you can have a properly you know fully 100 bread with papers the whole lot whippet that can be 18 19 kilos and, and that you can get the little ones. My brother's got a little one and she's only 10 kilos. So it's, it's quite a range of sizes. Massively different. But you often find that, Debbie, with the, the show ring types are very different to the working types. Like yeah. In Labradors, for example, it's quite noticeable. The show types kind of heavy, they have large heads and they're stocky. Whereas the, the working types have got smaller, slim heads and they're skinnier all round, you know, more, more able yeah. to run through the undergrowth and dive yeah. into rivers and all the rest of it. So, yeah. 
it's interesting, all of that. I, I, I find that very interesting. So you wonder which is best or doesn't it really matter? I think you've got to think about your lifestyle. You've got to, um, you know, basically a smaller whippet is going to be more portable, potentially. Um, if you, you know, they do love to sit on your lap. And if you're out and about, and there's so many great dog-friendly places, especially in London now, you've got a fantastic range of cafes and pubs and even restaurants that you can take dogs to. We're, bit, we're not quite there in the country yet, but we are, uh, we are catching up. And certain counties are brilliant for that dog-friendliness. Um, but you've got to think about that. You know, for me, I've actually got arthritis in my lower back. So having a whippet that weighs, you know, 12 kilos is actually more preferable to to me than having one that weighs 18 kilos. If I've got to lift them in and out of the car, you know, if they're injured and you've got, this has happened to us, um, they're injured and you've got to carry them two miles back from a walk. Mm. There are certain things you should consider. So, and also the bigger they are, the more room they take up on the sofa. But, (laughs) you know, the larger ones are just as gorgeous and lovable and, um, you know, crazy, uh, clean and lazy dogs that love to, just be with their owner yeah that's the thing about whippets they they are the most fantastic companion dogs but they they are not good at being left really really, yeah Yeah. they really don't like being left and if your plan is to you know get a whippet puppy spend a uh, you know a month when you're on school holidays to look after the puppy and then go back or go back to work it does it it isn't it does it's not going to work out it's just no, not going to work out. I, th- I think that's the same for pretty much most dogs, you know. I mean, they do oh, I love, love to I be agree. with their owners. And, you know, I'm not a mad fan of, you know, routine use of doggy daycares and dog walkers and the like, you know, on the odd occasion, of course. But it's so important to create your life around your dog if you're going to have one. Otherwise, what's the point, I think? You know, it's like, why get a dog if you leave it, you know, or let somebody else look after it five days a week? I just, I can't get my head around that, Debbie. Yeah, so no, I do know exactly what you're saying. I think there's a there's a younger generation of owners now that it, it do you think, Anna, that it's just become more of a normal thing that you will take the dog to daycare? you know three or four times a week and and that's become because all these daycare places have popped up of course that was another business that didn't exist even what two years ago three years ago I know no gosh because you know I got Molly in 2002 my first bull terrier as my first dog on my own as a grown-up you know and there was nothing you know you had to work out your own support group you know through friends um people you know and other people that people knew that were dog savvy and that could look after at a weekend it was all done through the network there were no professional dog walking services (laughs) available even if you wanted to use one it all spread over from the states and hit here about 2005 and that's when I think you know the pet industry that we now know in the UK took the big hit to explode you know it was like a tidal wave that came over from New York after the first New York fashion show that you know went mad on the internet and that was all back when the internet wasn't quite as sophisticated as it is now and then bit by bit fancy collars arrived and pet shops turned into boutiques <laughs> there yeah, was no that's, more, that's you true. know, do you remember yeah. there were no more there was no yeah. more sawdust on the floor or dying <laughs> goldfish in the corner. And so it's developed, which is brilliant, really, for everyone. So yeah, so it's changed enormously. So for anyone thinking about getting a whippet that might be listening right now, what would you say to them? And what sort of a person should they be? Well, I think if you're looking for 
I mean, personally, I think they're an easy breed. I think they're easy for lots of reasons. I think that they they are generally clean. They're pretty lazy. That they don't have to be walked as much as people think they do. They are happy to have you could an hour a day as long as they've got off lead time. So they're able to stretch their legs and run if they if they want to. They don't always take that opportunity every day, but they've got to be given it. But you have to be prepared for a very sensitive, affectionate, loving dog that will want to be with you all the time. And I think that if you're going to get a, a, I mean, there are sadly lots coming into rescue now, which is another thing I know that's come from lockdown because over the last three or four years, very hard to get a rescue with it because nobody really gave them up. Mm. But lately, I think I've certainly seen more more being you know on on the Facebook pages of the Whippet rescues, but um, whether you take on perhaps a nine month old rescue or a year old rescue, or you take on a puppy, you've got to be prepared to put the work in, like you do with any dog. I don't think there's very much difference, other than people get caught out by the fact that they are the most awful thieves. They will steal food if they get the opportunity. They will steal your shoes. They will steal, you know, anything that makes them, that gives them attention or gives them the reward that they're looking for. They can very happily get up on two legs. So they're very able at, um, you know, counter surfing, perhaps not quite so much with a terrier when they're lower to the ground. But um, they are also a sight hound. So you also have to be prepared for the fact that their main sense is their sight. So when they see something moving, and that can be a squirrel, another dog, it could be a rabbit, it could be a deer, it could be a, you know anything in the back, in that they see in the distance before you've seen it, they will be off. They don't all have a strong prey drive, but but some do. And the other thing that can happen when that's in place, of course, they can get injured. They've got mm. very thin fur, so they're quite often the skin can get ripped but the other thing that people have got to be prepared for is that they hate the cold and they won't go out in the rain so you've got to have the suitable clothing you've got to have warm jumper and you've got to have a raincoat at absolute bare minimum yeah no absolutely and that's where all your fleece wear comes in because a lot of people don't realize that fleece is 100% water repellent isn't it Debbie yeah, it's not. Well, the fleece that we use is not Polartec fleece, but the Polartec fleece is. But ours, to be honest, ours have been caught in the rain and they still haven't got wet underneath. But we don't say it's completely waterproof. But we've got plenty of waterproof coats. But the, the fleece will do them for most weathers. It's the, it's the item that we pull out more often than anything else. It comes out. It's it, We have spares in the car. We have spares at work. Wherever you are, where the weather might change, just just you've got to be yeah. prepared. And yeah, and then you know, pop it on. I guess you know after the walk when you know you might be a bit damp and muddy, and then that saves your car getting damp and muddy as well. Well, yeah, exactly. Or have a blanket in in the we ours are in the crate in the car or on the back seat. They're in their seat belts, and we have blankets galore for that sort of thing to try and save the inside of the car. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, how old is the whippet? Because you know, I'm just thinking as we're chatting now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but are whippets related to greyhounds? Well, the the story that I like and think is right that. In, I think it was the late Victorian time, 
in the northern towns, they wanted to have, they loved the racing. So they loved the greyhound racing, but many people couldn't afford to feed a greyhound. So they wanted to breed a smaller version of the greyhound. Now, I don't actually think the greyhound is in the whippet. My knowledge of it is just that it was, it was a, there was certainly a Bedlington Terrier involved. Mm. And I think there was a Jack Russell Terrier involved. But anyway, they basically got to the Whippet. And the reason they loved the Whippet was because they didn't have to feed them very much. They were still great at racing, so they could still use them for the sport. But also, they were great at keeping the kids warm at night because they do love to sleep in your bed. <laughs> so they're hot water bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were hot water bottles. And you yeah, think that yeah. back to those days. And they didn't need very much space. You know, they didn't need a big garden. Because greyhounds in those days, they were... Um, the dog of, of the gentry weren't they? they they lived on big country estates and things like that so they often couldn't afford a greyhound or an ice wolfhound or something like that so mm. the whippet was was born that way and and so I think it's it's over 100 years certainly over 100 maybe like 130 years old I think the breed I don't know when they were first recognized by the kennel club I I suspect it was around about the 1930s Right, gosh, not, not that long ago then, really. I suppose no, it is now, but relatively years. recently. Yeah, yeah, and when you think how popular they are as as a breed group, they're yes. one of the biggest groups when you go up to Crufts. So, I think there's usually about three hundred, which it can take the whole day to judge. Yeah, absolutely. I've always got this picture of someone from Yorkshire with a peak cap, you know, <laughs> a flat cap, and a, and a whippet, and a whippet. You know, in a way, they're very economical dogs because of their wonderful thin coat. There's no need, you know, to take them for regular grooms, which I think is another aspect of the pandemic that's affecting, you know, dogs being abandoned and resold on the internet at the moment because. Grooming a dog, you know, every month, really, for some of these doodle-woodles costs a lot, you know, well over £100, which added to all the other costs involved with dog ownership is putting dogs in rescue, I think, at the moment, as the economy takes this turn for the worse, Debbie. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's quite sad, isn't it? Because if you don't research the breed, you know, lots of people love these doodle breeds, don't they? And Mm. anything crossed with a poodle and because it looks fluffy and it's a really cute puppy. But there there are consequences of that. They have to be groomed. They have to be kept. The the fur has to be kept under control because it mats, doesn't it? And you don't have any of that with a whippet because they're short. I mean, that's another reason why people why they're popular because they are easy maintenance from mm. that from that point of view. And in fact, they absolutely hate having a bath and a shower. And uh, it does happen quite often in our household when they're we're in fox poo rolling season, which fortunately with the dry spell seems to have have, have gone away. But um, <laughs> yeah. yes, they do love a good roll in the smelly stuff. That's for sure. Yes, yes. But another thing that fascinates me about the Whippet, the Italian Greyhound, the Greyhound, even Mr. Binks, the Toy Terrier, is their genetic propensity to be thin, slim. You know, I mean, you never see a fat Whippet. I mean, you know, they are the Kate Moss, really, of the dog world. <laughs> and it's it's interesting. I remember talking to a scientist once on the radio about if we could work out the gene that's in these breeds, maybe it could help you know with obesity in other breeds and even in people yeah yeah that's a good thought I mean I have seen a a few in my time um, of doing what I do I've seen a few overweight ones but it's quite hard to to be for a whippet to become fat I think generally it wouldn't be necessarily the food intake it would be the lack of exercise that would 
that would do that if an owner was giving them too much food but not exercising enough. But we tend to fluctuate the food that we I mean, they, they generally have the same amount of food every day. But if we say we've been on a particularly long walk and they've run around ever such a lot, I usually adapt what they're having and give them a little bit extra, especially George, because he cannot keep weight on. He was he was a poorly puppy, had Giardia when he was only six months old. And he's he's long and lanky and you can always see his ribs. Whereas Winnie, our other one, she just loves food and she she eats probably not as much as him because we we control it but she's a treat fiend and we do lots of find it games with her and, and that sort of thing to keep her brain busy but it also means you can't always control how much she's having so we do have to sometimes watch her but yeah they're never they're never really I mean, you can't call them call them fat can you not like some breeds get well no exactly it's just so interesting really i've never thought of that before that maybe there's something genetic in them in those breeds well yeah i mean it's like my little mr binks you know he he did put on a bit of weight at one point and uh i got that off him you know i couldn't bear it but debbie listen i'm so proud to have met you really and for all the Aww. work you are doing for charity and your passion for whippets because you know all breeds are brilliant and i love to hear people talk about their special breed and i really hope that breeds carry on you know and that because they they do form part of our history and i don't think we can ignore that really Thank you again, and I can't wait to get my blanket. So watch out on Instagram, Debbie. <laughs> I certainly will be looking out for that. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you for having me, Anna. That's our show, Mr Binks. What did you think? Yes, I know, it really is so brilliant how many things you can knit for your dog. What's that? Yes, it is time for Woof of the Week. <laughs> When you know that buying something has helped others in need, like the dogs in Ukraine, it certainly makes them well worth the purchase. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks again to Debbie Humphreys for joining us. All the links are in our show notes. Thanks, of course, to my producer, Mike Hansen. Find out more about him and his company at Pod People UK. And for me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Oh, gosh, you are right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. And that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.